Today's Old Testament reading comes from Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 22. Hear the word of our Lord. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless, and his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jephthah. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence from them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark, and finish it to the cubit above, and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, in which the breath of life under heaven Everything that is on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, your sons' wives with you, and with every living thing of all flesh you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind, Two of every sort shall come in to you to keep them alive. And take them with you every sort of food that is eaten, and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Our New Testament reading comes from Luke chapter 17, verses 20 through 37. Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he said to the disciples, The days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, Look there, or look here. Do not go out or follow them, for as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day that when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. So it will be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. 
on that day, let the one who is on the housetop with his goods in the house not come down to take them away, and likewise let them but the one who is in the field not turn back. Remember Lot's wife? Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will keep it. I tell you that night there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. They said to him, Where, Lord? He said to them, Where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. This is the word of the Lord. So back when I was in high school, we came upon a certain Christmas. I only asked for one gift. I didn't want any stocking stuffers. I didn't want any of the pre-presents. I just wanted one gift. And I knew where my parents kept the presents. They are in their closet in the southeast corner underneath my dad's hanging clothes. It was kind of a, a dark part of the closet. You'd have to actually go there to, to find something. But I really wanted this one gift. And mother, if you're listening, I did look. I haven't told her this, but I did look that one year. I've never done it again. I asked for an Xbox, and I really needed to know if I got the Xbox. So one day, I went in, and I looked, and there it was, a brand new Xbox. I was ecstatic. As we look at this passage and connecting the kingdom to ourselves, we find both the Pharisees and the disciples in this same situation. They had an expectation of what the king would look like. I knew the present I was going to receive, but it was actually harder for me knowing that that present was there than if I would not have known at all. This passage teaches us that we as God's people know that Jesus will return in glory. But we will struggle to believe that it's true. We know it will happen. God promised us it would. But the cares of this world cause us to forget in God's promises. Our struggles and suffering makes us doubt. And our sins seem to so far separate us from the love of God that it's hard to believe that He loves us. But that doesn't mean that God's promises aren't true. Our struggles don't mean that God doesn't love us. Our sin cannot separate us from the love of God. But it doesn't make it easy to believe. You know what's so hard about knowing that that Xbox was there? Knowing that it was there. What if 
my parents took it back? What if my parents found out that I looked and then took it back? So I wanted to go back over and over and over just to make sure that it was there. Something similar is happening in this passage. The kingdom of our God is in our midst. This passage tells us the king will return in glory. And yet we struggle to believe. Because we want proof. Just like the Pharisees did. They wanted a sign. And then another sign. And then another sign. They wanted someone to point to them. Look, here it is. But what Jesus tells us is that according to God's plan of salvation for his people, to believe in the kingdom that has come and to believe in the kingdom that is to come, we must put our faith in Jesus. And it's hard. Jesus told us his kingdom mission. So we must believe it with confidence and with anticipation. Because Jesus told us of his mission, we must recognize it as here. In all of our lives, we have experienced that somehow we've expected something, and yet we have received something else. What is that experience for you? What was that situation? I'll give you an example of my own. Last year, I went to Nashville to a youth leaders conference put on by... RYM, and one of the nights my friend and I went out to dinner. We went to some Nashville hipster place. We stood out really badly. Um, but I saw on the menu fried octopus. I'd never tried fried octopus. I was feeling brave, so I ordered it. I did not receive what I was expecting. It was a salad. The fried octopus was great, but it was a salad. A lame salad. What is this for you? Have you shown up at an event expecting one thing and receiving another? Have you gone to a movie expecting one thing and finding something else? Well, this is the same experience the Pharisees are having in verses 20 to 21. They're expecting a Messiah to come that would bring a kingdom that will rule every other kingdom. And this isn't necessarily a bad expectation. Look at the kingdom that David had built, that Solomon had built. This is what the Pharisees expected. They expected to have no one rule over them like the pagan Romans. They expected that their glory would be restored to them as God's people on earth. They asked him, when will this kingdom come? And in verse 21, Jesus gives them this answer. Behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. They expected a king ride to ride in on a war horse. And they experience Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. 
Gerhardus Voss says concerning this Israel's, the Israel expectation of the Messiah, the Jewish emphasis was placed largely on what the expected state would bring for Israel in a national and temporal sense. Hence, it was preferable that the kingdom of Israel be over all other nations. The Pharisees believed that this glorious kingdom would give them power over the world. But this is not what Jesus brought. It's interesting to look at Jesus' kingdom in Acts, Luke's second book. This is how we see the kingdom coming in the book of Acts. By the conversion of a Philippian jailer as he stands guard over Christians in prison. We see the kingdom of God coming through Peter, witnessing the conversion of Gentiles and being filled with the Holy Spirit. We see the kingdom of God coming as church elders go to Jerusalem to discuss how do we worship as Jews and Gentiles in one church. We see the kingdom of God coming through Paul being a missionary. Would you have expected the God of creation, the second son of the Trinity, to come and to begin in a reign in that way? With a seed the size of a mustard? Like leaven in bread? This is how Jesus said his kingdom was coming through the preaching of the gospel. Do you have this conviction? Do you believe this? That God is redeeming his world through small, ordinary ways. Through the preaching of the word. Through the sacraments of the Lord's table and baptism. Through prayer and fellowship with one another. Through the conversations you have in this church, God is bringing forth the kingdom of God. Through the mundane nurturing and training of our children. Through the tests that we take and the turning in of worthless papers. Do you believe that God is actually using you in the midst of your fallenness in the midst of your shortcomings, in the midst of your sin, by His grace, He is bringing forth the kingdom. The Pharisees didn't believe this. They wanted to see another sign. And as Jesus told them in Luke chapter 11, the only sign they would receive is the sign of Jonah. And the sun would raise on the third day. Do you believe that God is at work? Do you believe in the sign that we've been given in Christ Jesus? This is where the gospel meets us in our workplaces, in our family devotions. in our marriage counseling, even in our Snapchat conversations. 
you won't see it coming. But Jesus is at work amongst his people. May we not be like the nine lepers who were healed and did not come back to praise God at the feet of Jesus. Jesus told told us his kingdom mission, so we must recognize it is here. He is at work. And Jesus told us his kingdom mission, we must anticipate it's coming. Here we find Jesus teaching about the kingdom differently than what we've seen so far in Luke. Here we realize that Jesus' kingdom mission is actually twofold. The king comes, but then he speaks of the king returning. And Jesus turns to his disciples and says, The days are coming when you will desire to see one of these days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. Now, there's discussion on this passage of how we are to interpret this verse. Is Jesus speaking of disciples that they will look back at the time that Jesus was with them? Or are they supposed to look forward to a time when Jesus will return? Due to the nature of this passage, I believe that it's it's the second. The disciples will long to see the day that Jesus will return. But it's really kind of confusing. So Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And then he turns to his disciples. And you would think after talking about the grace and justice and mercy of the kingdom, that he turns to the disciples, he, he would kind of encourage them. But we find Jesus speaking about judgment. We read in verse 26, Just as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage. Until the day when Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. And then in verse 28, he tells us of the story of Lot. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained from heaven and destroyed them all. So will it be on the day when the Son of Man is revealed. This shift comes in verse 22, when Jesus says, The days are coming, listen, listen for it, when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man. Now what Jesus is doing here is he's actually taking two Old Testament prophecies and putting them together. Any good Jew familiar with the Old Testament would have heard the phrase, in the days, and would have known or would have remembered of the days of the Lord that the prophets prophesied about. The day of the Lord was a day of judgment, according to Amos, Isaiah, Obadiah, Zephaniah, Joel, and Ezekiel. The day of the Lord is when the Lord will judge people for their sins. But then we have this combination of the Son of Man. This is Jesus' most self most use self-designation. And this recalls the vision found from the prophet Daniel in chapter 7. I'm actually going to have you turn your Bibles with me to Daniel chapter 7. If you have a pew Bible in front of you, it's page 745. 
Daniel 7, 13 to 14. I saw in the night's vision, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. No wonder the Pharisees expected a different king. But the problem that the Pharisees had is they thought this was the only way for their king. And Jesus had a different plan of redemption. The Son of Man would come first, preaching the kingdom, proclaiming the gospel. Because if he hadn't, when the day of the Lord would come, none of us would have any hope. But Jesus tells us in Luke 17, the key to his redemptive plan in verse 25. But first, he, the Son of Man, must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. God's plan from the foundation of the world was based upon the suffering servant dying upon the cross. This is where Paul gets it in Ephesians 1, 3 through 10. Don't turn there. I'm just going to read it. Ephesians 1, 3 through 10. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. This is God's plan of redemption. To send the king to proclaim the kingdom and then to suffer for our sins. In the midst of living in our world, a world full of people eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage, buying and selling, planting and building, a world focused on anything except for the Son of Man, who is the focal point of all history, the world tells us to focus on our possessions, upon our work just like Lot's wife. 
rather than focusing on the saving grace of Jesus Christ upon his world. When the Son of Man returns, there will be no time to react. For the kingdom of God was in their midst, and the world missed it. The world is the nine lepers who did not fall at the feet of Jesus. They received the blessing that God rained down on the just and the unjust. They did not fall in repentance and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They will be taken in judgment at the return of the king to reign over his kingdom. God's people will stay, just as Noah and Lot and their stories stayed. Those who were judged will be taken away because of their sin. It's really interesting to find in 2 Peter chapter 2, Peter actually speaks of this passage of both Noah and Lot together in the same way that Jesus does. He says this, If he, God, did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others, when he brought a flood upon the whole world of the ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual tormenting, by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as that righteous man lived among the day after day, he was tormented, his, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. Peter's giving the people of God hope. Jesus, in speaking of judgment, is giving his people hope. If you see the sign, if you see Jesus, you have hope when he returns. We are saved through the knowledge and believing in God's promises given for us in Jesus Christ by the shedding of his blood upon the cross and him rising on the third day just as he said he would. And it's hard. It's hard to wait on God to fulfill his promises. It's hard not to fall away. It's hard not to be tempted to go back after our possessions. But may we be found awaiting with great expectation this Advent season. For Israel's hope was realized in the coming of their king, and our King. And He has promised to return. He says it four times in this passage. He will return. But He also tells us that we will struggle. People will try to give us signs, distractions to look at. But Jesus says, have faith. In me. 
Peter writes in his first book, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through the testing of fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is what the one leper did. This is what we are called to do. How are you preparing for the day of the Lord's return? If we believe in Christ, we enter Advent with great hope, joy, love, and peace. If you do not believe in the risen Christ, in the forgiveness of sins that come only through him, remember Lot's wife, who turned away from God's promises, even though they had been proclaimed to her. And this is what Jesus promises. You will long to see those days. Just as I longed for that Xbox, I knew it was coming. But I had to wait. I knew I was getting it, but it didn't make it easy. I wanted to look over and over and over and over again. And because we are frail, and Jesus knew that it would be hard for us to believe, he knew that we would grow impatient. He actually has given us signs to remind us over and over and over and over that he loves us through the preaching of the word and the sacraments of the church. We get to see, smell, taste, and touch the love of God for us in Christ Jesus. He's also given us the church, just as he gave Noah the ark as a safe haven. He has given us the church to encourage one another, to bless one another, that God's promises are true. And he has also sent us a helper, the Spirit to live inside of us, to abide in us, and to go with us, to assure us that God's love is forever. If we were left to ourselves, we would always fall away. But the Lord has given us strength. We wait for our King to return. May we celebrate God's promises in Christ this Advent season as we wait for the King to consummate his kingdom and to take away our every pain, all of our suffering, all of our hardships, because we are co-heirs of that kingdom. By his power alone, through the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen.